Welcome to the Practice Advantage Podcast, brought to you by Healthy Eyes Advantage. I'm Dr. Justin Manning, Executive Vice President of Professional Strategies, and I'll be your host on your practice success journey. Running an independent eye care practice and business is hard work. We exist to make it easier. Here on the Practice Advantage Podcast, we bring you tips, tricks, and strategies from experts from within and outside the eye care industry that you can begin implementing in your practice today. Let's dive in. On today's episode of the Practice Advantage Podcast, we're going to be focusing on financials. Look, we're nearing the end of the year, 2021 books will be closing soon, and hopefully you're well into your plan for 2022. To help us focus on our financials, I'm joined today by Brian Hoban, HEA and PECA's Executive VP for Member Business Advisors. Brian is a former banker and daily works with our members on shoring up their financial situation and planning for the future. Brian, welcome to the Practice Advantage podcast, and thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me, Justin. Uh, excited to be here, and I think this is a very important topic, though I know it's not one that doesn't always rank at the top of most doctors' favorite things to-do list. That That is true, but I... I, I but certainly argue it should be very high on their importance list of things that they need to be doing. So I appreciate you being with us. You know, 2021 is coming to a close. 2022 is right around the corner. It may seem like an understatement to say that focusing on financials is important. Hopefully it's an understatement for our listeners. However, you know, let, let's, let's chat a little bit of that. Why is it so critical and what are the biggest pitfalls that you see practices making when they review their finances? Absolutely. So the financial statements are instrumental in helping you understand where your business has been and where is it going, uh, which is really critical for strategic planning and decision-making in the practice. Uh, I've heard so many people in this industry use the phrase, doctors aren't good business people. And I'm going to argue that. Uh, you know, as a whole, I don't think that's the case. I think doctors intuitively have a pretty good understanding of their business and they know what their strengths and their weaknesses are. Um, they often have a pretty good idea of what needs to happen in the practice, but what they don't always have is the confidence to make those decisions that need to be made. And this is where the importance of financials come in. Uh, if you understand and can analyze the financial performance of the practice, it's going to help you enormously and giving the confidence that you need to make some of those key decisions, uh, whether it's adding the next staff member or uh, implementing, say, a new strategic initiative or something like that into the practice. So in terms of the largest pitfalls, I would say the, the first one is not reviewing financials. Um, even if you don't understand what you're looking at, look anyway. Um, print them off at the end of the month and just make that a normal thing. Uh, If you can do this, you'll you'll start to pick up on uh, small trends or or things that you wouldn't have otherwise. So uh, be looking for large changes, um, whether uh, certain categories, expense categories or revenues trending up and down, that's always a great place to start. And then the other major pitfall uh, would be 
once you start actually looking at financials is what we call elevator analysis. So what elevator analysis is, it's saying something like revenue is up this November versus last November. So I guess we did good, but this doesn't really actually tell you anything. Uh, what's really most important, and I think if there's one thing you take away from uh, this conversation is first look at financials, uh, even if you don't know what you're doing. And then the other is always ask why. Why did something change? Why am I where I'm at? Uh, and that's really the most important part of uh, financial analysis. So if we go back to our example of November revenue this year is up versus last year, well, why? Did it go up because capture rate and revenue per patient increased? Or did it go up because last year you took an extended Thanksgiving vacation and only worked 15 doctor days instead of working 20 this year? Those would be the two biggest pitfalls for me. There's so much in what you just said that we could unpack it and we're going to. But so many things that you said, I think, just really stand out that I, I, I think we should just really drive home. The point is, yes, we're running a business and we generally, especially as doctors, as we're seeing patients, we're busy. We may not have the time that we would want to spend on running the business and looking at all of the specifics of the business. But despite that, we have a pretty good sense of what's going on, what needs to be addressed. But the financials really tell the story. And it's the decisions that need to be made because of where we are financially that may be the bigger challenge. And that's where, as you said, those numbers come in. That's where that story is told. And I love what you just said about it's not so much the elevator itself. Okay, November's up, but why? And understanding the by understanding the why, it then tells us, okay, what do we need to keep doing? What do we need to stop doing? Or perhaps maybe what do we need to start doing? What do we need to change? Those are so, those pieces are just so critical. So, you know, for our members who may not be reviewing their financials on a regular basis, how often should they be reviewing them? And, and what are those specific financial documents, the financial indicators that they should be reviewing regularly? Yeah. You know, I think it's one of those things that you, you probably can't look at too often. Um, but I would say, you know, in a perfect world, if you spend a little bit of time on a monthly basis looking at your financials, and like I said, even if you don't know what you're doing, just set aside a half hour and, and look at them, stare at them, um, put the last couple months side by side and, and try to see if anything is, jumps out to you that's changed. Um, and then try to do a little bit more of an in-depth review on a quarterly basis. So I think that's a pretty good cadence. Um, when you're looking at monthly numbers, it can be really easy for them to be skewed just because there's not much time. Uh, so we're talking about you know 20 to 22 working days for the typical Monday to Friday practice. And um, let's say during the month you bring in a new frame order, uh, you know, a large new line that you're bringing in. Well, that's going to skew cost of goods for the month. Uh, it's going to skew it significantly higher. And this isn't necessarily a bad thing that needs strategic correction, but that's one of those things when you look at it and say, okay, why? Why did my cost of goods go from 28 to 35% in just this month? Well, it's because I brought $4,000 worth of frames that I wouldn't normally have bought. Um, so I understand it makes sense. I can tell the story. 
great. Now you can kind of move on. Um, so my wife owns a two location practice. So I'll give you kind of an idea of some of the key areas that I look at when I analyze her financials on a monthly basis. Uh, so first, this is this is the easy one is revenue. Um, I'm looking for trends here in terms of do the results match my practice story and and where things have been, where I'm going. Uh, why is revenue up, down, flat in that period and against recent months? So uh, trends are key there, and, and also seasonality. So right now, you know, in this, our our almost coming up on our third spring post COVID uh, is March, April, May, this last year of 2021, we're still fairly low, even though they were significantly higher than in 2020, because we hardly saw patients. So knowing that even as we get into um, March, April, May of 2022, well, we might expect a dip in revenue there. And that's not a sign of poor business or that the world's ending. It's just, it, it's, we're still flushing out the impact of what happened in 2020. Uh, you might even see the same thing if uh, you have a doctor that's taking uh, a leave for you know, uh, having a baby. Um, that can have an impact in your revenue for uh, years to come. Uh, so then next, I would look at cost of goods. Uh, so cost, does cost of goods make sense for how you're running the practice? Low cost of goods does not necessarily mean you're doing a great job, and high does not necessarily mean uh, that you're poorly managing your cost of goods. What's important here is to ensure that you have the right vendor relationships. So say, for example, you're on an HA type of vendor program, you know you are probably getting great pricing. If you have an appropriate markup strategy then applied to that proper pricing, cost of goods at that point becomes a function of how well you sell and how you practice medicine. Uh, so it's not one of those things that you should spend time agonizing over if you're a medically focused practice, you're going to have a little bit lower cost of goods probably than your peers. Whereas if you're really optically driven or uh, do a ton of uh, contact lenses, you're probably going to skew towards the higher end of cost of goods. And that's not necessarily a bad thing because you're selling a lot of product at that point. The next I go to non-OD staff as a percentage of revenue. And what this tells me is a measure of um, the investment that you're making in your team and the level of revenue that's being produced for that investment. And then another way to look at this that I think is really important is as you're doing that analysis of bringing on additional staff members. So let's say you have four staff and you're thinking you need a fifth. Well, looking at that staffing as a percentage of revenue can help tell you potentially if you're understaffed and give you the confidence that you need to make that decision. Another key one is overall operating efficiency. And this is really a measure of how efficient are you at taking a dollar of revenue and turning that into cash flow that's available to pay doctors, uh, to pay debts, reinvest back into practice. And, and note there, Justin, that I'm not saying net profit. Uh, just looking at net profit can, can give us uh, some false conclusions as that's easily skewed by how you set up owner comp uh, and say depreciation. So if you have an owner that essentially underpays themselves relative to a market associate rate, well, that's going to make net profit look really good. Whereas vice versa, say you have an owner that overpays themselves relative to a market comp, that's going to uh, uh, to make that look really bad. And so if, if you do it all net of doctor pay, um, that will help uh, with your analysis there. So really the metric is 
EBITDA, so earnings before interest tax depreciation, plus any doctor pay and benefits, and then any owner expenses that aren't, uh, say, critical to practice operations. And you add all of that back together as a percentage of revenue gives you your overall efficiency. Uh, and then I think we're going to, to dive into uh, to KPIs uh, in another podcast, but um, you know, worth noting that I do look at those in addition to the financials. Uh, I'll do an in-depth review of, of KPIs on a monthly basis, and I'm using ABB Analyze and Edge Pro reports uh, to do that. Uh, I'll also look at them throughout the month. One of the key metrics that you talked about that you, I, I think our listeners aren't necessarily thinking about, like they're thinking about total revenue or cost of goods, is that non-OD staffing is a percentage of revenue. We we talk a lot on this podcast about staffing and managing people and, and how we lead effective teams and how we grow and, and take advantage of our, of our people, great people as an asset and not just an expense. One, how do we calculate that non-OD staff is percentage of revenue? And then how, how does that data point influence, do I really need to hire another staff member? Or, or I suppose maybe can that data point tell us how well we're managing people? And, and again, do I really need another staff member? Or where do I need to focus from a, a staffing standpoint? So help us understand that a little bit more. Absolutely. Yeah. And a lot of that um, it, it comes at how are you looking at it and you know understanding your practice and your team. So uh, to answer the first part of it, I am taking all non-OD, um, so associate doctors, strip them out. So all non-OD staff, payroll, payroll taxes, and related benefits. So adding all of that together and dividing by uh, total collected revenue for the practice. Uh, and that will give you the percentage of revenue that uh, is going towards staff and staffing benefits. And, and really, I, I look at this as this is, like you said, it's not a, it's not a necessarily a cost, but really it's an investment that you're making into a team. And that investment that you're making into that team is what is allowing you to help produce the revenue that you do. And so you can look at that and say, okay, I'm investing X, my return is Y. Does that make sense? And then the conversation that I'll have is, do we have the appropriate number of people in the office? Do we have them in the appropriate spots? And are we paying them an appropriate hourly wage or salary for the job that they do? And so if you can kind of check those boxes, then that percentage of revenue uh, for, for non-OD staff gives you a really good look at your ROI. Um, now, if you're, if you're gonna say, well, I, I have people in the right positions, but I'm not sure if I have enough. I know I'm paying them the right amount. And then your percentage is at the low end of the spectrum. Well, that can be that, that confidence boost for you to say, okay, it is time to do this, right? I'm, I'm running really lean right now. If I add that next person, it's going to bring me up into that industry average. Um, so I felt like I was short. I now have, I now kind of know I'm short. I can go make that decision. This metric has changed a lot over the last couple of years, uh, five, six, seven years ago, 19 to 23% would have been uh, the go-to for just about anyone listening. It's, it's anywhere from the low 20s to up around 30% these days. Um, and, and it's changed quite a bit just 
with uh, with unemployment. Uh, obviously, COVID isn't an impact, but but this was changing well before that. Um, and there's um, there's really a negative unemployment rate for tech spillers uh, and, and opticians in this industry. So there's more doctors practices who are looking for those key positions than there are trained people who are looking to fill them. And so that that's um, helping drive that metric up as well. Um, so I, I think it, it's definitely a key one uh, to look at. And there's no right or wrong answer. They, I, I work with plenty of docs who are at the upper end of that, but they know that they are and they've made a conscious decision to uh, pay their team in a manner where they know they're always going to be at that upper end, but they don't want to deal with turnover. Then there's some that are at the lower end, um, maybe a more boutique style practice that has really high revenue per patient. Um, uh, offices that are just really well managed and run really lean and run really efficiently can still have the right number of people pay them really well um, and, and end up at that lower end. So that's, again, going back to the why. Why do you fall in the range that you do? And does that make sense for the operation of the practice? As you said at the beginning, it's all about the story that the numbers tell. And those numbers, as they say, you can't manage what you don't measure. And these data points, all these data points that you're talking about helps tell that story, helps us make the appropriate decisions for the practice. With any of these, small improvements can have such an impact on the bottom line at the end of the year. Uh, a 1%, 2% change uh, for the better in any of these can be a significant profit boost to the practice. And, and that's where that, if you don't measure it, you can't improve it, uh, or whatever version of that saying you want to use really comes into play. I don't think any of our listeners would be uh, opposed to having a little bit more profit at the end of the year, right? <laughs> For sure. So let's look ahead to 2022. What should our listeners be doing now? You know, it's the beginning of December to make sure that they are best prepared financially. Yeah, well, it's, it's budget time. Uh, so I, I know this can be difficult this time of year, given how busy your offices are going to be for the rest of the year and, and getting into early January. But it's really important to dedicate a little bit of time to creating a budget for 2022. And I, I think a budget provides great financial guardrails for a practice. And it's going to allow you to identify those months where cash flow maybe will be a little tighter than others, or on the flip side, could be uh, a little stronger than others. So uh, let's say, for example, you're on a biweekly payroll. And that in that case, you know that you'll have two months out of the year where you're going to have three payrolls in that month. So let's say that month, uh, one of those three payroll months overlaps the HEA packet annual meeting, which takes place in May, where you're going to be going to maybe make a, a equipment purchase. Uh, you're planning on bringing in a couple frame lines. And so you're going to spend a fair amount of cash in that month. Well, if you're planning on doing that, you probably shouldn't be taking extra owner withdrawals, say in those early months in the year. Wait until June to ensure that you have enough cash for your ongoing operations before you take those extra distributions for yourself. If you're planning, planning on making some of those big purchases, they're gonna have some months where cash flow just is it's going to be tighter than others. Having and managing that budget is critical because again, as, as we've talked about through this entire episode, is it's all about planning. It's all about knowing where you are, where you're headed, and how you can get there appropriately and effectively to accomplish the goals that you have. So with regards to the 2022 budgets that our members are currently working on and planning for, what are the biggest challenges that you find with practices 
in setting their next year's budget and how do they approach it differently? Yep. We could probably dedicate uh, an entire uh, podcast episode to just budgets, but um, yeah, I think the biggest challenges are setting aside the time and it's a lack of confidence in the process. So I I think that's what holds a lot of docs back. Uh, When approaching budgeting, I think the best way to do it is if you take a month-by-month P&L from 2021, then take that and apply an expected growth rate for 2022. So now you have a a top-line revenue set. Then you can use your historical percentages for things like we just discussed, cost of goods, staffing, uh, general administrative expenses, and fill those in based on a percentage of your new revenue because your your cost of goods percentage, whether you're a million-dollar practice or a million two dollars practice isn't going to change substantially. Um, You can then fill in static expenses like rent, EHR costs, loan payments, utilities that basically stay the same uh, as those all don't change much monthly. Now you'll have most of your expenses set. You just need to go back and account for, is there anything that happened in 2021 that was an extraordinary event that won't be happening again? Or is there anything that you have planned for 2022, any big purchases or events that say didn't happen in 2021 that will happen this year? That could be things like new piece of equipment, uh, hiring a staff member that isn't necessarily replacing someone but would be additive uh, or expanding the frame board, for example. So at that point, you have a pretty good budget. Uh, Now I've created a really, really basic budget template. Um, This can be computed by just entering revenue, a growth rate, loan payments, and then some of those basic percentages, and it will spit out something. Um, now, this isn't very good. The best way is to take that and, and do what we just talked about and build up that month by month, that seasonality, um, those one-time expenses. And, and once you spend a little time doing that, you'll end up with a really good tool that can help you manage uh, your business heading into next year. And I, I think that's, it's well worth the time. Uh, it's something that I'm going to be working on over the next couple of weeks uh, for my wife's practice. Perfect. And for any of our listeners that that want to get their hands on that budget template, you can actually email at us at jmanningod at hea2020.com and we will get you a copy of that. Brian, uh, you highlighted a couple of times that there's so much that we could talk about when it comes to finances and focusing on the financials for practice that uh, I I think we definitely have to have you back for another episode. So we will definitely do that. As you know, we like to wrap up each episode by restating our belief that leaders are readers. Tell us, what are you reading? I'm just finishing a a book called Make Your Next Shot Your Best Shot by Dr. Bob Rotella. And so Dr. Rotella is a well-known sports psychologist, uh, focuses on golf. And if any of you know me, that's my life's addiction. Um, So while the central theme of the book is really the idea of kind of staying in the moment and getting yourself mentally in a position for your next golf shot to be a great one, uh, I I really liked it because these lessons apply just as effectively to to life and to business. Um, So it, it really comes down to, you know, having a good mental approach for, your next meeting, your next patient, uh, next social interaction, or even just dinner with the family. It's you know, being present in there is it's going to really help make that next interaction a great one. We certainly will put a link to that in the show notes. Brian, thanks again. We'll have you back here soon. 
All right. Thanks, Justin. If you've enjoyed the Practice Advantage podcast, please subscribe and leave us a review. And if you want to learn more about HEA's exclusive monthly subscription-based Practice Advantage consulting program powered by Williams Group, give us a call at 1-800-959-2020, option three, and your first month is free. Start designing your life and what your practice can do for that life today. See you next time.